So I sat in my daughter's Chloe's room, surrounded by the type of chunk avalanche that only a child of that age, you know, a teenager can produce and delight in. I mean, it's it's almost like a pig in slop. I mean, she just loved the mess and partially probably because she knew that it annoyed the fuck out of me. So, you know, of course, why not? Welcome to the Transformative Parenting Podcast, mindset-based communication and leadership advice for highly capable, super smart parents. Because when you change the way you think about your kids, you actually change the way your kids think. I'm your host, Paula Kaywall. Let's dive in. Hello. And welcome to the first episode of the podcast. I was a little hesitant to tackle this particular subject, the subject of failure, which is why this episode is called Fail Often and Loudly, because a lot of people get very triggered by the idea of failure. But then I thought, well, that's the exact reason that we should start with this, because many of the parents that I work with who are stuck in power struggles with their kids, it's kind of all around this. It's around a fear of failure. It's around a fear that somehow if they don't do well in their homework and get good grades, that they're going to be a bum under the uh, freeway somewhere that they will have no future prospects in life and no possible way of having a good life at all. And that fear is very constrictive and it creates this energy between yourself and your child that is not at all helpful and not at all going to take you where you want to go. And most of us are unconscious that it is even there So talking about failure is actually a natural place to start to introducing my worldview, which is that our children are here to expand us. And when we have difficulty or when we bump up against stuff that really challenges us in regards to our kids, that that's an opportunity that's a knocking on the door to expand. And most of the time, we don't answer because we don't see it for what it is. So to talk about failure and how uncomfortable people are with the idea of failing is a good place to start. Because the the parents that I work with, they want their kids to do well. Clearly, all parents want their kids to do well. And they've um, amplified the idea that if they fail, they won't. And I myself was, was trapped in this for a very long time. And I'll give you an example of a story that illustrates one of these power struggles um, pretty well. My daughter, Chloe, has been one of the biggest gifts to me as a parent ever because um, she helped me turn into the power struggle queen And that is actually what broke me open and made me 
change. So it is an amazing illustration of personalities bumping up against each other. And so this story is pretty funny, and um, I'll be happy to tell it to you now. So I sat in my daughter Chloe's room, surrounded by the type of chunk avalanche that only a child of that age, you know, a teenager can produce and delight in. I mean, it's it's almost like a pig and slop. I mean, she just loved the mess and partially probably because she knew that it annoyed the fuck out of me. So, you know, of course, why not? And I was sitting there perched precariously on the bed, you know, eyeing this mountain of dirty clothes that threatened to bury me. And we went in circles around a familiar conversation about her grades. And it would go something like this. I would make suggestions of things that she could do to get her homework done or do her assignments more efficiently or to get better grades. And she would say, I know. And I would make another suggestion and she would say, I know, mom. And so basically, I know was kind of code for I get it, leave me alone. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. So what she was trying to do there was um, stake the subject through the heart in the vain hope that it won't rise again like Dracula. Of course, it always did. And so an eye roll and a sigh later, you know, she'd look at her phone more than she looked at me. And it gave me ample opportunities to fantasize about smashing her phone two pieces right in the middle of her, you know, perfect Insta post. So if you have a teenager, you may have had conversations like this with them. The scene might, you know, be pretty familiar to you. It's what I call the I don't care about anything defense system. Yeah, that's right. It's a defense system. What are they defending against? Well, I'll get to that in a second. They're they're defending against experiencing failure, which is the whole point of this podcast. And so this I don't care about anything defense system is a mighty, seemingly impenetrable fortress where our once bouncy, joyful children are taken hostage by a surly, sarcastic, and somewhat nihilistic host of defenders. And these defenders, they're determined to let no feelings, such as ambition, excitement, drive, curiosity, or happiness anywhere near your child. If you've tried scaling these walls, you may wonder why kids invest so much time and energy in not caring you know, and, and how they're using this, as I said earlier, to defend themselves against failure. Well, they're using this to defend themselves against their true wants and desires. They're keeping those desires safe from failure and safe from being realized as well. But, you know, they're not thinking that far ahead. They're thinking in terms of pretending that they aren't trying and they don't care if they get it and keeping themselves safe from that acute discomfort of immediate failure. It's the immediate failure and that burn that comes with it that they're avoiding. But they ensure the long, slow burn of depressing failure that comes from never trying your dreams 
in the first place. This is fertile ground for shame and blame that will be plowed by their egos many times over in their 20s. And it's a great way, according to the thought process of the ego, if you can call it that, to keep them safe. So now that you've kind of gotten a little sense of this cycle and how constricting it can be and how it can prevent you or your child or anyone who's in this from acting on wants and desires and you get into this pattern of not caring about anything. And that pattern is um, a tough one to break out of if you don't see what's going on behind it. And it, and so, so how would you get out of this kind of evil genius trap that it, you know, a teen brain like this could devise. And it kind of is a process that is sort of a two pronged approach. Um, two things are going on that, that you need to be able to do in order to dig your way out. First is you have to be able to actually get in touch with what you really want. And second is you have to be okay with falling flat on your face to get it, which is <laughs> the part that they're avoiding. And so um, those two core issues are what have to be worked on. And there's a lot of ways that a person could go after this. Um, one possibility is to bypass the part of their brain that is convinced that, okay, for teenagers especially, but, you know, some adults still have a little bit of this, that, uh, you know, their peers and everyone around them are seeing every mortifying, horrifying moment of their lives and like it's being played on a big jumbotron screen for the stadium of the world and that everybody notices um, that construct in a, in a teen brain is, is a very real thing. Most of us adults have figured out that teenagers are so busy watching themselves that they really don't notice the other people in their, their realm. And that you could fail, you know, pretty safely. And it, there's a good bet that, that they won't even know. They won't even see it. But for your teenager, that construct of having an audience to notice their every uh, mistake is very, very real. And so that has to be worn down a little bit in a safe way. And so the way that this works is you have to start getting in touch with, with what you want, first of all. And that can be a little bit difficult if it's buried deep, but you can ask them, you know, what would they do if they did know, if they're telling you that they don't? You can get them to journal about little things that they want, safe, material things. Oftentimes that will lead to um, breaking down the walls and stating the larger ones at some point. So that's a good practice. Another is that um, they take some action towards something that they feel safe in failing in. And so what that looks like is you go and do something that you know you're not good at and you're not bothered by um, 
falling on your face in, in the attempt to get better at it. And so if you do something like that publicly, you can translate those feelings toward an actual goal that you're a little bit more attached to. And the way that that looks is you focus more on who you're becoming, the skill set you're getting, the things that you're growing while you work toward that goal more than you are on the end point. And that makes things go along quite a bit easier. In concepts with failure, imperfect action is, is really important. The idea that you can act imperfectly and that all of those little pieces of imperfect action build up to perfection, build up to bringing you toward where you want to go. And um, there was a really good phrase that um, we had when I was in my NLP court uh, coaching courses. It was called, there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And I love that phrase because that's really what it what it is. If you are unattached to the idea of failure, when you take a stab at something, what you're getting is information. This information doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you'll never get there. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you um, aren't cut out for this or or confirming that you have no talent or all these things that we attach to failure. Feedback is simply information and it's information unattached to any of these other structures. It is just information about what worked and what didn't. And honestly, there is nothing that comes in life that is truly innovative, creative, and interesting that doesn't come from a feedback loop of having made mistakes in trying. And so this is where we start to shift the way we think about failure and how we can embrace it and turn it into something very, very powerful. What if, just what if, you could fail with joyful abandon? What if you could let go of those structures and not care at all whether or not you failed in a very public way? Because failure didn't mean any of that stuff to you. How freeing would that be? What would your life look like if you could do that? How much better would it be? What kinds of things might you try if you thought this way? This is the power of imperfect action. And this is the power and the gift that embracing failure brings to our lives. So I'm going to end this podcast with a question for you. And if this question bothers you a little bit, just know it only means you have work to do. And that work is a gateway. It's a way for you to grow. Okay, so here it goes. 
Have you ever given your kids permission to fail? Honestly, or do you guard them like a vicious dog against it? Be honest here. Here's the next one. Have you ever given that permission to yourself? Deep thoughts here on the first episode, huh? Well, that's the end for this first podcast, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Transformative Parenting Podcast. If you'd like to go deeper than you've ever gone to become the leader your child needs, head on over to www.makeyourparentingeffective.com to learn how.